Uh, this guy's called the Standing Streamer. with regret you're watching putting you over look at that got there right in time how's it going what's going on welcome to putting you over <clears throat> and uh yeah oh awesome things sound great on my end hopefully they sound great on your end look at that Mr. Brian Malonis is, is in the in it now. <laughs> What's going on? What's going on, my friend? Uh, do you want to you want to do video tonight? Yeah, yeah. I'm just getting connected. Hold on one sec. Uh, are you a Red Sox fan? I am. It's pre- it's pretty pretty depressing here tonight. Here yeah, yeah. They're, they're, last I saw, it was three nothing. So oh, it's it's five to one. Bottom of the fifth, one out. They do have two men on. But it's pretty uh, pretty depressing. I'm going to walk over and pin your video here on Zoom so it doesn't move on us and anything like that. And, and then we're good. We're live on Twitch right now. So uh, my, cool. my phenomenal uh, producer will be popping in here any minute. So just uh, just bear with me. Oh, the Sox uh, in and over. They didn't score. God damn it. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Pin the video. All right, awesome. We'll jump right into it. How are you doing tonight? Well, I'm besides, all right. Besides, it's five to one. Besides score. that, yeah. uh, you can hear to me. be expected this season. You can hear me good. Yeah, right. Exactly. I heard somebody say like the Red Sox were going to surprise people. I mean, I guess now that they've included even more teams into the playoffs, I guess maybe they're going to be a playoff team. But it, it's definitely a rebuilding year. Uh, Although our lineup may be good, although it's not doing well today, the the pitching staff is just not not existing. I mean, who are we kidding? The season's going to probably last what maybe another week before. <laughs> I was just going to say uh, that. I mean, what do you, I mean? The Marlins literally aren't going to play for a week. So, how do you make up those games? Do they just play like five or six less games than everybody else? Like, 
I mean, everyone makes the playoffs. My, I mean, I guess it doesn't really matter. To the truth. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is junk. <laughs> it, it's total junk. It's the whole world is upside down. I mean, we could probably get into an entire show on how upside down the world is. Uh, I mean, if, if we can't find a way to play baseball safely, how am I supposed to send? I have three kids, all daughters. How am I supposed to send uh, two of them to school safely? I, yeah. I, I mean, a big difference there is, and I think where like the NBA um, and the NHL seem to be getting it right is that bubble yeah. model. You know, yeah. I think the you know, Major League Baseball has these guys flying. I mean, they're keeping them geographically fairly close to the same area, but they're still going in airports. They still have to get on planes. They're they're on the road, so it's not like you know, like you think of what the NBA is doing down at Disney. They're in a bubble down there. All the guys are already there. Like these guys are, you know, who knows what they're doing, you know, once the games are over. And I I think it's just a recipe for disaster, which actually probably dooms uh, pro football this year, I would think, because you can't do, you can't do pro football in a bubble. No, it's, it's just not cool. Not cool at all. Um, And it just sucks, man. I'm, I'm a Titans fan. I can see you're a Pittsburgh fan, so maybe we don't yeah. clash a little bit. But we're not – I mean, I love football, and I just don't think we're going to get – we're definitely not going to – I mean, they say we'll get college football. I don't know how that's going to happen. Yeah, I don't know how you put people at risk like that, knowing you, you – it's impossible. You can't keep these people safe. You don't know – I mean, football's even worse. It's 53 guys plus – Twenty yeah. something coaches and medical staff. Like you don't know what these when you're when you're not doing the bubble thing like uh, hockey and basketball are doing. Mm-hmm. And even then, they only have limited ability to do this. But you don't know what these guys are doing. You know who they're interacting with, where they're going after games, or you know. So it's it's and and I mean, I, I guess I could speak this a little bit, yeah. but the mindset of, you know, a young professional athlete, you know, they're, you feel invincible, especially these guys, they're millionaires, they're millionaires. They, you know, they're at the top of their profession. Like they feel invincible. Yep. I mean, they can't even behave themselves when there's not a pandemic. So. (laughs) Right. I mean, just in a small microcosm, like I just came from my oldest daughter's softball game. They they're doing travel softball. And even in that little small microcosm where you have, you know, just a small team, they're only allowed two family members. No, it's not packed. And it's hard to keep them socially distant. And they're, I I know the kids, but I'm talking about the coaches, the other, it's just, it's. Yeah. I think it's, you know, there's these things that there's these things that they put in place to make people feel better, you know, Um, you know, don't, don't, you know, I, I, I see like, well, we'll allow 50% capacity or 25% capacity or something like that. Or offices are going to open with, you know, half their staff or something like that. It's just like, well, they also got to use the same common areas, the same bathrooms, the same concession stands if it's a stadium. Uh, I mean, whether it's 2000 people or 25,000 people, there's still a risk involved. You're not eliminating risk by reducing the people. You're just, reducing the risk but there's still a pretty high risk that if you put thousands of people you know even if it's three thousand people in a thirty thousand seat stadium there's still a pretty high risk that somebody somewhere in that stadium probably had some exposure to COVID 19 and now exposing everybody else they come in contact with 
Yeah, I mean, we could do this all day, but that's not really why why you're here. <laughs> no, it's not. Well, I, I'll talk whatever, man. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I don't, none of my notes have, hey, let's bitch and complain about how sports, how sports can't really, uh, can't really keep anyone safe. Oh, uh, um, I, I, uh, I heard you have two young kids at home too. I mean, what's that like being stuck in the house? I mean, I know exactly what it's like. It's insane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 you know, it's funny. I think cause it's not so bad now. I mean, my, uh, my son gets to go back to daycare. He's, uh, he's four, nice. which has been really good, really good for him. Um, you know, they're, they're doing a lot to, you know, they're doing whatever they can to keep safe. But I, we honestly started to feel like it was, it was worth the small risk to, yeah. you know, the kind of the damage it was doing. And I think thinking about schools and things like that, I think that's some of the risk that you have to weigh too, is the, the impact on, on kids with all this. I mean, we didn't see family for the first, you know, couple months of this, like they went like a couple months without seeing like their grandparents. Yep, and same here. The, yep. me- the mental toll is tough. Yep. It, it really is. It, you know, there's so many more things that, that I think when we study this time period years from now, it, it's going to go beyond just the, the virus itself. And, and, and I don't even mean from like the economic standpoint, I mean, from like people's mental stability there, standpoint, mental health. Like, there's going to be people being diagnosed with PTSD from this. Yeah. It, I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's, I mean, and, and there's no good answers, right? I mean, that's, no. I think you, you got all these people fighting and this and that, and everybody's an expert, but nobody's an expert. None of us have lived through this. We don't know what the hell's going on. It's a new disease. The doctors and scientists don't know what the hell they're doing with it. Like, nobody knows. Like, so let's stop arguing. Let's figure out some common sense stuff, and let's try to beat it. I don't know. <laughs> that's that's the same exact mindset I have. Uh, and it's it's scary in one sense that I don't know anything. But I'm in the same boat as everybody else. Nobody else knows anything. So let's uh, lean on the side of caution is what my wife always says. Um, I'm the same way, you know, like, I mean, I, let's, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and put, you know, like the whole mask thing, right? Yeah. Like, I, who likes wearing it? Did anybody really like wearing these damn things? No, but if there's a 2% chance that it reduces yep. spreading of COVID-19 and we get back to normal life sooner, I'll, I'll, I'll whatever, sure, I'll yep. do it. You, you tell me, you tell me if I hop on one leg, you know, <laughs> to, and that'll, and that'll potentially help us. I'll do that too, whatever, you know, <laughs> like, let's just do it. Well, I told my wife, I'm embracing this mask. I went out and I bought a, from a 20, 20 by 20 apparel. I bought some a Macho Man Trunks mask, one that looks like Kamala's <laughs> stomach. Uh, I'm going to get a, a Danhausen face one. I'm embracing it. I got to get, I want to get one um, like you wear around your neck and you just pull it up. Oh, the gator scarves. That's yeah. what they're called. Yeah. Uh, I'll yeah. snag some of those. I'm totally embracing it. My youngest daughter, who is three, she loves it. Like she got her mask in the mail and she wore it around our house, like walking around wearing it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we definitely, yeah, that's, that's my son. My son's four. Yeah. Uh, my daughter's pretty good about it anyways. Cause yeah. she at least, you know, she's eight. She yeah. sort of gets it. Like she, you can talk with her a little bit and she gets like people are getting sick and this will help prevent that. But my son just thinks it's cool because I got him a <laughs> ring of honor one. So he yeah. walks around with the ring of honor one on his face now. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, my oldest is 11. She definitely gets it. My middle kid, She's seven and she gets it, but she gets it on the uh, stressed out, paranoid side. Like, yeah, she 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 didn't want. They finally went to their grandparents a couple weekends ago, 
And the reason we actually were open to doing that is because they have been social distancing. Everything was fine. We're ready to do it. And uh, it's all fine. But she got very stressed about going and like, I'm going to get it. I'm going to die. I'm going to get poppy Mm. sick. I'm going to get gammy sick. And it's that that part of it. It's tough. Yeah. I mean, especially if kids like that age, if you have the news on. Oh, yeah. I know. There's no news on. They're hearing this stuff. Like, you know, it's tough. It's really tough. And I think that's been the toughest thing. Again, not that people want to hear me talk about this. I don't know. Maybe they do. But, you know, because I'm just like everybody else. You know, we're we're all like everybody else. You have to live in this world. But I think the real real, um, crappy thing about this whole situation is that somehow this virus has become, like, politicized and... Like, we don't know what the truth is because everything just has this weird spin on it. So, like, I, I don't know. Like, you don't even know. I was just talking with a friend about this. And, like, you don't know what to believe anymore. Yeah. You know, like, everything's changed so much. And, you know, there's such, like, a slant and a spin on everything. I'm just like, can we just get one news station? Don't give me the political agenda behind it. I don't care what what's – just give me the facts. What do I need to do mm-hmm. to keep me and my family safe? <laughs> like, please, just the facts, you know? Exactly. Like, I, we, we don't put the news on in our house for a multitude of reasons, but I, yeah. I wouldn't listen to anything on the news because everything is slanted. You have one side saying one <laughs> thing, the other side saying this thing. So I, I get all my COVID information from Howard Stern. I'll just listen well, to what <laughs> he says. Well, I mean, you know – my thing is, it, you think of you think of what the the, the new news cycle yeah. is really. So it's it's paid. It's ab- people. Yep. You know, they sell advertising. Well, it's propaganda. So just have, it just got yeah. Think got signed into to something. The news can can be propaganda or something to that nature. I'm in it's way like over wrestling. my head now. Yeah, it's like <laughs> no, but I mean, it's like it's like pro wrestling news now, right? So yeah. whether it's a pro wrestling program, a baseball game, or CNN or Fox News or MSNBC or whatever news station you're loyal to they have to sell advertising they have to draw ratings so if it's the old old school days of of somebody just sitting there reading you know the facts that doesn't sell anything right but if it's some moron screaming picking a side and screaming about it that draws ratings so i mean that's what i think people have to understand about no matter what news station you're watching it's entertainment just like it's just like pro wrestling you know, whether it's yep. WWE, Ring of Honor, Impact, you know, they have to sell advertising on their on their television programs to make money. Well, so does CNN, so does Fox News, so does NBC. If they don't draw ratings, you know what? You know, I don't, I don't know half of these people. I don't, I don't, I don't watch it. Like they'll replace Hannity you. They'll whatever. get someone that can. Yeah, exactly. So if Hannity or whatever, I don't even know what yep. station he's on. I think I just heard the name. Yep. If he doesn't draw, you know, a certain rating. Well, they're going to drop him and pick up some other idiot who's going to scream and yell about something. Yeah. <laughs> and it's because uh, we went on vacation. Wow, we're really going down the rabbit hole. We uh, we went on yeah. vacation with, with my family. And, like, my, my parents are, are older, so they watch mm. the news all day. It's just on constantly, especially <laughs> my father. And we're, we're listening to it, and it truly is, like, just striving for ratings because you can hear. You can literally hear. To relate it to social media, you can hear like clickbait headlines. They'll say <laughs> yeah. something and it's a it's a clickbait. Like you just want to sit there and listen, even though they're making zero point zero cents. <laughs> oh, I think the funny thing now is like the record record, yeah. you know, positive COVID nineteen cases. Well, as opposed to the oh. last COVID out 
19 break right. <laughs> yeah. you know like this is a new situation this <laughs> yeah. is a new thing like yeah. i mean uh, the first day that we had a one positive test that broke the record yep. that day <laughs> that's true you know like i don't know yeah it is it's a yep it's it but it, when you think about it it's really no different than what we do in pro wrestling we try to get people to turn on the channel and watch us and that's yeah. what the news is doing just you know they they <laughs> There's, I think I heard Vanessa. Maybe I did. Um, Speaking of pro wrestling, what was that first wrestling moment that you can remember where you said to yourself, hey, this is something I want to do? You know, um, you know, it's funny, like growing up, um, sorry, like my allergies are killing me right that, now. That's all uh, right. I swear, I swear, I, I swear, I don't have COVID. I have seasonal allergies. Um, <laughs> but um, no, I mean, for me, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I ever have that. I don't know if I have that moment. So many people have that moment. Like I, I just always yeah. watch wrestling. I mean, the first time I ever really thought about actually doing it was, you know, I, I, I always thought I was going to be a pro baseball player. Yeah. So. Uh, when I actually thought about doing pro wrestling was when I had a friend who signed up because pro wrestling is one of those things that you watch on TV, you love it. Wow, that would be super fun. Yep. But no, like I didn't, nobody I didn't thinks know. About it. Well, you know, yeah. How do you even get into it? You know, now it's easy. You just search on the internet. Yep. But this is, you know, this is the this is the mid '90s or whatever. So it's a little a little different than we don't have. You know, it's like the infancy of the internet. So it's not just like you can, you know discover all these you can now in a matter of seconds. Um, but I had a buddy who um, kind of did some research and he was a year or two, he was a year ahead of me in high school and he signed up for Killer Kowalski school. So when I saw him do it, I'm like, wait, you could, there's a wrestling school that I can learn to be a pro wrestler like 45 minutes from where I live. Like, so that was really, so I was probably like 14 or 15 the first time I was like, yeah, I, I would love to do this. And you said wrestling was uh, big in your house, just on all the time. Well, oh yeah, yeah. It was, so it was, yeah, it was my aunt who um, who really got me into it. But like my, my parents were into it and stuff nice. a little bit. Um, but my aunt was really the fanatic who who got me sucked into it. You know, I remember you know you know sleeping over her house and uh, she had the old LJN figures. Yeah, and, they're all you know, right she, there. She, yeah. yeah, she had you know I would sit there and I'd play with them at her house and then I, you know I, of course I had my own. Yeah. Um, but she was really the one I think that that really made me a fanatic early on. You got that, um, I was learning about you and watching a bunch of matches. You got that uh, Saturday night main event, big boss man feel. Big guy <laughs> moves around the ring. Just, you got you got that vibe to me. That's that's the vibe I got when I was doing my uh, quote-unquote research. You know? <laughs> I love the boss man. He's, I mean, he's probably my favorite, my favorite big man of all time. Uh, I've probably stolen so much from him over the years. <laughs> Give him um, a I mean, he's criminally underrated. Very underrated. Um, I mean, you think about when he first came into WWE, he goes right, right on top, uh, working, you know, working with Hogan on top. And he was a baby, 21, 22 years old, new to the in- industry, you know, and he was making, you know, he made more in like one night than what he made like in months <laughs> working for Jim Crocker Promotions. Right. Um, yeah. But the, yeah, but, but I mean, the way he moved just wasn't, you know, and 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 there's always been big guys like Vader doing a moonsault, or when I think of like you know like a Keith Lee today, and the stuff that he can do. But Bossman was just different in that, and Bam Bam was like this too, in that, uh, and Bam Bam did the moonsault and stuff. But it was more like the way they moved around the ring, the fluidity with which you know their footwork, their 
just how they moved. It didn't move like big guys. Like Vader could do the moonsault and stuff, but he still kind of moved like a big guy. Like Boss Man didn't move like that. No. Bam Bam didn't move like that. They they moved like they moved like guys that are half their size. You Abyss know? Abyss had a Bam Bam feel from Impact. Yeah, he had that. Absolutely moved quick. Had the sidewalk slam stuff like that. I'm, I'm looking here for my notes somewhere. Um, the guy you trained it, I can't. It was uh, I want to say Mike Howell, Howell, Mike Hollow, Mike Hollow, Mike Hollow, yes. yeah. Uh, and you train? Is it true that you trained with uh, some wrestlers like Tommaso Ciampa, Kofi Kingston, uh, <laughs> yeah. Ivar, at that Killer yeah. Philosophy School, huh? Yeah. So yeah, I mean the, the talent there was yeah. unbelievable. Um, yeah, I mean my kind of group of guys, you know, it started. I was. Uh, me, um, you know, Ivar from the Viking Raiders. Ivar. Uh, Tommaso came along yeah. a little bit after that. Uh, then our buddy um, named, by the name of Max Bauer, who was, he was in uh, NXT as uh, Axel Keegan for wow. a short spell before he got hurt. Uh, and then Kofi came along kind of last. It was, only, it was only around for about a year. But uh, yeah, that was kind of my, my group of friends. And they, you know, I'm still friends with, with all of them today. And um, I mean, Kofi's first day of wrestling school, I was an assistant trainer handling the new guy ring and Kofi was the only new guy that night. Yes, and, there he was, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, the talent level that came through that school was unbelievable, but also to the education that we received, um, in pro wrestling was unreal. I mean, Mike Hollow is not a, not a household name, but when you think of all the people he trained, whether it's the, those guys we just mentioned. I um, mean, he's also trained uh, Idol Stevens, Oni Lorcan, um, oh, you know, him. I mean, I mean, the list of guys that, um, you know, Mike has trained and trained well is, you know, it's a, it's a mile long. And he just, Mike just has this uncanny ability to break down, understand and teach the, just the basics and the foundation of pro wrestling like, like nobody else. Um, I've never encountered anybody like Mike and in, in all my years of pro wrestling that can really, you know, break down, um, you know, those small little movements that make up the big picture um, so well. So he was, he was an incredible trainer. And we were, we were mentioning, you know, we talked a lot about sports and the Red Sox here at the start. And it's so interesting. Like some of the best trainers that I've heard from speaking to wrestlers, cause I don't have any experience, but from, from talking to other independent wrestlers from all around, they're not like those big name wrestlers. They're, they're guys mm. that know the game basically uh, is how I yeah. would say it. Just like in baseball, like some of the greatest managers of all time, <laughs> Tito Francona was <laughs> average at best. It's, yeah. It's know? tough. Like, you know, when you think about, I mean, one, you have to have a, a passion for it. Not yes. everybody has a passion to teach. You yeah. can be the best pro yep. wrestler on true. on earth, but if you don't have a passion to teach, you're not going to be a good teacher. Um, you know, when you think about baseball, the analogy, you know, that everybody always kind of, or at least, you know, I've always think about is Ted Williams. Yep. Ted Williams, greatest, greatest hitter who ever lived. Yeah. One of the worst managers who ever lived. Yep. And a lot of it is because these guys are just so good. They can't even fathom that somebody doesn't, grasp you know whatever it is the baseball or wrestling in the same way that they do because it, beca- it comes so easy to them yeah uh, why, i mean why is michael jordan never been a coach <laughs> you know, like because um it, it, it was natural you know yeah it's like i uh, mean you think of some of the greatest trainers think of dr tom pritchard dr tom pritchard yep. wrestled everywhere 
you know, you know, went everywhere, was you know, all over the territories, had a job in WWE for years. Probably the, you know, when you think of like, you know, the best trainers, you know, of the last 20 years, he's probably number one on the list. Yeah. And, you know, he was never like a top guy. He's never a guy who main evented WrestleMania, but he just understands it. Like he's, I mean, you want to talk about, you know, my trainer was great, stuff like that, but I mean, the best trainer I've ever encountered and probably one of the smartest people I've ever encountered in pro wrestling is, is Dr. Tom Pritchard. Uh, he came in for, I mean, he came, they, the school I was part of, Chaotic Wrestling, yep. they would bring Dr. Tom in, you know, three, four times a year. So we had a lot of exposure, plus through working with um, IWF in New Jersey, Dr. Tom also used, used to go there a lot. So we got to spend a lot of time uh, talking to and learning from Dr. Tom. And he's just, I mean, unbelievable, unbelievable, brilliant trainer. And that, that I can relate to that sense, that mindset in some ways. Uh, my dog, like I play, I play, play uh, guitar and I, I play music mm. and my, I can't, I can't teach my daughter to play guitar because <laughs> I never, like it just came. Like I just, I was lucky enough. I just would pick it up and play. My mm. drives my wife nuts. And uh, so I can definitely relate to that a little bit. But going back to wrestling, uh, chaotic, Dr. Tom Pritchard, you, you guys are going. Now, before you get to – to, uh, did you have any run-ins, like tryouts or anything with the WWE? Yeah. So, I mean, from – Jesus, from uh, 2003 to 2011, um, I probably did extra work, you know, six, eight times a year. Uh, and I, I was part of two different um, tryouts at our uh, at the Chaotic Training Center. One of them was the one that Kofi Kingston got signed from. Mm-hmm. Um, Ivar was also at that and didn't get signed. <laughs> didn't get signed um, at that particular time. I, Jesus, was Tommaso there? I don't remember if Tommaso was at that one or not. Tommaso might have already moved out to like like been to WWE, been released, and like went to Harley races at that point. And then um, a few years after that. Uh, we had a very small private tryout with um, John Laurinaitis and Ty Bailey, which was really the, I would say maybe the closest I probably ever got to making some inroads with WWE, you know, had a yeah. really good showing. Um, I was booked for extra work um, literally like five days after that. So then I got an opportunity to talk to Laurinaitis, told me, you know, just wanted me to cut some weight. Um, I, Stayed in regular contact with him, like weekly weekly phone calls with uh, Ty Bailey. Um, lost a bunch of weight, <laughs> got my weight down to about three hundred pounds, and uh, didn't happen for me. So, but yeah, I mean, they, over the years, I've had a lot of, I've done a lot of stuff for WWE and uh, a lot of extra work, a couple tryouts, you know, but nothing ever materialized. You know, I'm I'm just sitting here and I'm thinking to myself, you're good enough for them to call on you every time they need some extra work let's say <laughs> every time they need a big man there you are who they call but yet they they can't find something for you to do there that that would frustrate me <laughs> it's frust- yeah i mean it, it i mean it didn't frustrate me it pissed me off yeah. i mean <laughs> yeah, like, I, I, it, it, it was you know honest to god it was the dreaded you know i think back there a few times to um you know I, I've always said you, you have to have confidence in yourself yes, in this business. I, I would um, you're putting you're putting yourself out there. You're putting yourself on display in a number of different manners. You have to have belief and confidence in yourself. It's not cockiness. 
uh, to believe in yourself. Well, you it's your just you have on. to. Yeah. I think you have to, if you're, if you're going to go try out for whether it's Ring of Honor, WWE, anybody like that, you have to believe that you belong. You have to believe that you're going to get the job. But at the same time, you know, my, most of my career was spent in an era where they didn't sign guys that looked like me no. or looked like Ivar. <laughs> they yeah. it was very it was the six two two forty era yeah. we called it, you know. <laughs> and it would always be, wow, you're very good, but you just wait for it. And the, so the first tryout I did, uh, the one where Kofi Kingston got signed, um, wrestling my buddy Max, who is also a phenomenal wrestler, and um, we're the only group that gets asked to take our shirts off. And right there, I was oh. like, well, <laughs> I got no shot at this. You know, and then the last TV I ever, um, I ever did was in 2011. It must have been the summer sometime because it was before my daughter was born, um, and my my wife was pregnant with my daughter at the time. And um, I wrestled. It was me and Ivar who got to wrestle. You know, afternoon tryout match. And again, the same person, Dean Malenko, who asked me and my buddy Max to take our shirts off. Goes, hey guys, shirts off. You know, we proceed to have a really great match and lots of positive feedback. Then we watched these two guys who knew somebody got a week in um, Tampa. They just came back from a week tryout when the developmental was in Tampa. And their match was so bad, it gets stopped. Like, but Triple H was down there. John Laurinaitis was down there watching it. They weren't down there watching the rest of us. So we get pulled aside afterwards by, um, by Goldust and... You know, he's really putting, you know, putting us over. Yeah. And then we get the, the dot, 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 but, and just like, oh, well, like, you know, I get like, I get it. I, I'm never going to be a bodybuilder though. So no. if that's what it takes to work here, then I'm probably never going to work here. You know? And that's, that's, that just doesn't, I mean, that would not be who you were. And, and then that, that would change everything about how you work and, and your gimmick and, yeah. and all that fun stuff. But you know what I learned is you're in the ring with John Cena <laughs> and Vincent Kennedy McMahon at an independent show. Now, I don't recall Vince ever being at any independent <laughs> show. And you were in the ring with both of them. How does that come about? And what is that like? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, as far as I know, it's the only time ever. Yeah, I think it, I think you, it is. Unless you count like USWA as an independent, you know, when he did yeah. the uh, the stuff down there. But um, yeah, so uh, John Cena's dad, uh, Johnny Fabulous, uh, great guy, unbelievable yeah, yeah, guy. Yeah. Love love Johnny. Johnny I want to get him on the show. I think he'd be great. Oh, he will. <laughs> he he will be unbelievable. What he super entertaining. Oh yeah, you can see. I mean, honest to God, if you know, um, if you know, um, you know John Cena's dad, Johnny Fabulous, you know, you know where he gets his performance team from. I want his dad's entertaining. Yeah, I want yeah, to get entertaining, him. great man. Uh, can't say enough good things about about Johnny Fabulous. But um, he was a commentator for um, Chaotic Wrestling. So John Cena's brother um, was a police officer in like Newbury or something, Newbury Port, Mass. And I think he got in an act car accident or something and it, like wrecked a cruiser. So we did a fundraiser. I believe it was for like the police association or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, I have the poster somewhere. I could probably look and see like uh, um, what the, whatever the fundraiser was for. But um, as part of it, John, uh, John Cena was allowed to um, become, you know, be the referee yep. uh, of the main event or whatever. 
Um, so I was the champion at the time. So um, it's going to be me versus Big Rick Fuller from who used to work for WCW with John as the, as the ref. So um, in the afternoon, you know, we're putting together the match or whatever, but, you know, we go, of course, we're going to defer to John Cena. He's the WWE champion. He's literally, <laughs> you know, the, a, <laughs> the number one guy in the entire industry. Yeah. So he like, and I just, I guess I didn't think anything weird of it, but he, and I didn't until after the fact, but he like meticulously put together like the finishing sequence and we went over it a number of times, like to make sure that it was going to go down exactly. And again, I, I just attributed it to, okay, this is just what he wants to do. And he wants to make sure we have it and whatever. And I'd known John a little bit from John used to come and train with us a lot on like Wednesday nights um, at the Catholic training center. When he first, um, when he first got on the road with WWE, he would just come get extra ring time yep. with us. So I'd known John a little bit through that and all really all of us did from chaotic. And so we, we go through this whole finishing sequence or whatever, and it ends in like a double down. So I'm down, Fuller's down. They did a spot with the two, my, my manager and Johnny Fabulous. Um, so they were both down and I'm kind of like starting to get up to go. And I don't even remember what we were supposed to do next, whatever the next thing was that we had planned. But I see somebody roll in the ring and, you know, I was like, oh, what the hell is that? Like, I, I don't know if it's a fan or something. And then I look and it's like, you know, that's Vince McMahon. Wow. So I'm just like, I don't even know what to do because it feels fake at that point. Right. I'm like, it's almost like, did I get knocked out unconscious? Is this real? <laughs> like, so he comes over to me and goes, you know, are you the heel or the baby face? And I said, I'm the heel. And he grabs my arm and raises it. Like, doesn't even say anything. <laughs> he raises it. So I wish I could tell you, I like in the moment was looking so cool and just like, yeah, classic. no, I was like, oh, I was like mouth agape, like, I don't know what the hell to think. So I just go, what's next? And he goes, I'm slapping Cena. I'm taking the FU and then I'm getting the hell out of here. And I said, okay. So he did it. That's what he did. And I kind of slunk down in the corner because at that point I'm realizing like nobody in this room gives two craps about me right now because John Cena and Vince McMahon are in the ring, and I'm I'm just sitting there watching it all unfold. So he, he puts um, you know Vince up, and he gives him the gives him the fu, and then all of a sudden John just starts waving me on. And he goes and he's going fu fu fu, and I know he's not telling me to go f myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know he he puts me up and gives me the deal, and oh, yeah, crazy. it was a surreal, unbelievable moment that I had no idea was coming. Like yeah. I had no idea. I knew it. I knew it was happening as it was happening when I turned around and saw Vince in the ring. So. Could you imagine if you turned around and like you don't know Vince is sp- supposed to be there, and like you said, you didn't know if it was a fan. Like <laughs> you don't know. I mean, you saw. What I happened. just clocked him or something. Right, exactly. You just lay him out. <laughs> Could you imagine that? Holy crap! That is a. Phenomenal- I tell you what, I'd, I'd probably be a whole lot more famous than I am right now if I <laughs> yeah. if I knocked him out. <laughs> oh man that and hello vanessa i do hear you now that's vanessa my and, producer uh, i hear her and there's a, fu- there's a there's a funny follow-up to that and that so that happened and i want to say like literally the next week i was booked for extra work in um in boston at the at the fleet center td garden whatever the hell it is yeah, now TD and garden. so the end of the night i'm like I, I the whole time i'm like i'm gonna i'm gonna i have an in to talk to Vince McMahon. So I'm going to take it. If I yep. see Vince, 
Like I'm gonna take it, you know, because here I think I'm like this could be it. This could be my break. Yeah, this could be a job, ring. maybe. Yeah, who knows what the hell could happen? Nothing happened. But uh, so you know, Vince comes walking down the hallway. This is the end of the night now. So I'm like, all right. And I said, excuse me, Mr. McMahon. And I and I will say this: doing all the extra work I've ever done, um, like Vince, Stephanie, Triple H, uh, like that that entire family. They they're always so gracious. Like I think. I can't tell you the number of times like they have made it a point to thank us extras who were there mostly just eating catering and thanked us for being there. Like just super gracious people. And, you know, so he's coming down the hall and I said, Mr. Grant, he goes, looks at me and he goes, yes. And I go, I don't know if you remember me, but we were in the ring together at that independence show last week. And he, you know, he's just shaking his head or whatever. And I go, Hey, I just want to say like, it really meant a lot. Like, that was really cool, and thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And he looks at me, kind of cocks his head, and goes, oh, well, hey, you're welcome. And he just, like, walks down the hall. <laughs> like, you don't want to sign me? You don't want to give me a contract? No. <laughs> Nothing, Vince? No? Uh, Vince, we're buddies, you know? Remember that time? You raised my hand? Uh, um, all right, so we'll move on. So let, let's move on to Ring of Honor. You, you started in Ring of Honor in... 2017 am i correct on that give or take yeah i mean i have yeah i've had like two other instances where i worked for ring of honor really so one of them was like years ago i was an extra i was a lumberjack for um for brian danielson versus homicide um yeah yeah so I i don't know if that's up on honor club yet but that'd be a fun little easter egg and then i worked um a dark match in plymouth mass and this has to be 2012, 2013, somewhere in there, maybe. Yeah. And um, I don't remember who else in the match fully, but I know I was on one team and Matt Taven was on the other. So that's kind of a fun little, fun Another little Easter egg. egg. And I got that. Yeah. And I got that because I'd worked, um, I'd worked with Delirious on an independent show in Vermont. Um, and he had liked me and gave me a shot and nothing came of it. And that's largely my fault because I never, I never followed it up. I was still at that point in my career, very like WWE or bust, yeah. you know, which was probably a big mistake, you know, now, but I, I also believe things happen when they're supposed to happen. Um, so yeah, in 2017, um, I decided that, Hey, I'm going to give it one more, uh, you know, I'm going to give it one more go, see if I can make something of this. I, I kind of spent a few years just kind of working just for chaotic wrestling. Really. Once my daughter was born, you know, um, my life, my life goals had changed a little bit. Yep. My priorities, but yes, I still had that itch. That itch never, that itch never fully went away. And there was always that "what if" in my head. Um, so it's funny. It was actually because of a conversation I had with um, with Ivar, and he just kind of ran. He was working for Ring of Honor at the time as Hanson, and yep. um, he goes, "Hey, you know who randomly asked about you the other day?" He goes, "I, I, I, you know, I have no clue." And he goes, "Kevin Kelly, huh. Kevin Kelly." like why why was why why was kevin kelly asking about me i was like he's like i don't know man he just randomly asked if you were still working how you were doing if you still you know were doing anything in wrestling i said huh and that kind of got like the wheels turning so i decided to do um one of their tryout camps and i said the hell with it you know so i talked to um you know i started i started wrestling school literally the same week as todd sinclair um from ring of honor so todd todd is one of my oldest friends in wrestling um, and kind of talked to him, told him what I was thinking and told him I was going to sign up for it. And, 
um, had a really good showing at the camp. You know, I, you know, that they kind of name like standouts at the camp and it was me and believe it or not, Chuckles, who's in the righteous. Um, we're kind of like, you know, you get to work like the last match of the weekend yeah. type of thing. Um, so I mean, also at that camp was Karen Q who's in NXT now, Josh Woods was there. Uh, MJ Jenkins was there. Like there's some, some, you know, damn good talent at this camp. And, um, so from that, I just kept like, whenever they were, they were, you know, within driving distance, I would just go show face, uh, got to, got to do a couple, um, you know, a couple dark matches, got to do a couple like TV matches and, um, hadn't heard from them in months. Uh, uh, this is now, this is probably like December, 2017. Um, you know, and all of a sudden I get a, I get a text from Todd and he says, Hey, this is like four days before it. And the funny thing is I had just gotten hurt like a few days before, like, you know, I, I have, I still have it. I never got it fixed. I have a torn like muscle and like my shoulder and back and I never got it fixed. Um, but, um, I just gotten, that just happened. And Todd texts me and goes, Hey, can you be at TV this weekend? <laughs> I think, I think we have something for you. And of course I said, yes, I didn't yes. even think about the injury at that point. Like, you know, I'm not passing that up. This is the opportunity I've been waiting for. And he actually said like, it's more than just like, you know, he didn't give me like the whole details on what it was, but he's like, it's more than just, Excellent. you know, this is like a, yeah. yeah, this is like a spot. Like this is the beginning of something. So we get there. Um, you know, we kind of get pulled aside. I get pulled aside with Bruiser and um, Silas and me and Bruiser get told like, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to put you guys together. Uh, this is literally a show to show thing. If it doesn't get over, like it, it may be done very quickly. There's There was no long-term plans other than they wanted to put us together as a six-man group because there wasn't a lot of contenders for the six-man titles. And then also Silas was the television champion. Yeah. So it gave Bruiser something you know, something to do other than just managing. So, I mean, we were literally show to show. It was, we had to go out there and we had to deliver every single time, or it might've, you know, it might've been, it might've been over and it started to work. Um, and then we, you know, then we got an opportunity to work um, Cody and the Bucks. Um, and that's where Silas uh, turned on us, left us and we turned babyface. And ever since then, it's been, you know, it's been a wild, a wild ride, man. It's, it's, it's been a lot of fun. And one of the reasons that they put you and Bruiser together was you guys had worked some singles matches against each other and the chemistry that you two had, you know, mm -hmm. was, was decent from, from what I've learned. Um, yeah. We were, we wrestled in, you know, we wrestled. It was actually funny. It was like my, in front of like, you know, it was in Lowell mass. Yeah. Um, oh. so, I mean, that's like the city I've worked more matches in than any because of, you know, chaotic being there. And yeah, we worked together so well, somebody like, you know, somebody kind of, you know, said somewhere like, Hey, what these guys would be great together. You know, Some big man, huh? So let's get into your, yeah. let's get into your character now, uh, in the bouncers in, in ring of honor. Mm. How, how would you describe, I keep wanting to call him, keep wanting to call you Kingpin. <laughs> how would you describe the brawler? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think for both of us, we're I mean, think bruisers a little more easy going I'm more fiery. But we're those guys like that, that, you know, you want, you want to have a beer with and yep. you want them on your side in a fight. Yes, you know I do. I mean? like, <laughs> That's exactly you know, what I want. <laughs> That's you what know, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we like to have a good time, but we also like when it's time to come down to brass tacks, we're, we're there to fight where they're, you know, we're all business. And, um, 
you know, and I'm really glad we've gotten to show that a little bit, you know, starting with uh, the angle with the kingdom, start to show that, hey, we're more just these than these lovable fat guys yeah. who just lose all the time, you know? <laughs> um, How close is the brawler to uh, Brian Malonis? You know, it's funny. I think the I think the brawler is way further away from the character than the character that I've done my whole career. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, it, it's funny. I I spent the majority of my career as this really intense, you know, heel. Like, I don't think I sometimes I don't I don't think everybody even knows or anybody even knows that I can that I can really talk. <laughs> you know, that I'm really good at promos in Ring of Honor because I haven't I haven't had that opportunity yet to you know to show that side of me. Um, but I would like to, and I, I've started to, um, through that, through that kingdom thing. I mean, I'm definitely more, um, I'm way more fiery than bruiser. I, I, I have more of a temper, um, you know, so I, I'm glad to start to get to show that a little bit while still being, you know, the guy who has some fun too. Yeah. You guys, uh, when I first saw you, so shame on me. This is when I first saw you was that, I want to say, was that into the fire? It was the NWA oh, spot. It was NWA, NWA spot. Was it into the fire? Or was it just a power episode? I don't remember, but it was, it was the NWA spot where you guys came down, you know, uh, yeah. the steps and whatnot. That was after, that was after into the fire. Okay. That, yeah. that crowd was into it. Not only was that crowd <laughs> into it, but I, I am, I, you know, you know, I'll follow social media while I watch wrestling. Like who doesn't, right? The bouncers yeah. were all over it. They were all over my timeline everywhere. And you, you, that had to have gotten back to you. Like, what is that experience like to get that type of feedback? Yeah. I mean, it was so, you know, one, I mean, that night to take it back to that night, they're going to have us do the entrance down the stairs, yep. which, you know, that's a big, that's a big deal with, you know, with NWA. Yes, it is. And I said to Bruiser, I was like, I was a little worried. Like, you know, we had wrestled in Atlanta, but this is a different crowd. They, they, that NWA crowd is really loyal to the NWA guys. So they weren't loving um, the Ring of Honor guys. Like the, just the night before, Flip Gordon got booed out of the place. <laughs> so I was worried. I'm like, man, what if they boo us? What if they don't know us? What if they? But when they reacted that way, but on the night it aired, yeah. um, you know, and I'm sitting there and like my phone just starts lighting up and lighting up and lighting up, and I'm just like, so I text Bruiser and I'm like, hey, are you seeing this on on social media? And he goes, no, I'm at the gym. I'm like open up your Twitter <laughs> and just like, yeah, it was crazy. Our mentions were just, you know, through the roof and it was just a lot of really good positive feedback. And um, yeah, it was really cool. It was, it was really cool, especially, um, you know, I, I, it always feels good to, you know, have people appreciate what you do. Yeah. I, I mean, can't imagine. You mentioned Atlanta, hot crowd in Atlanta, especially for NWA. Absolutely. What's what's the best city that you, in your opinion, the best city uh, <laughs> to wrestle in? I mean, this is gonna this is gonna hurt my oh, my New England brethren. Don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. You could say Philly, but it, it, I kind of well, I kind it's one in one a. I mean, for in New York is New York is New York, man. New York especially is when you hot think about for wrestling. Yes. Like we got to do the Garden, we got to do Hammerstein Ballroom. Yeah. New York is awesome, and I was. I was legitimately um, the first time we came out in New York as as baby faces. I was I was scared. I yeah. was really scared because um, I mean, as heels, you don't care. Like I don't, yeah. you know, if if you're yelling at me and screaming at me or whatever, that's what I want that's you to do. What, if I'm yeah, exactly. More baby faces. Yeah. 
I was scared. And when they embraced us, like the way they did, like it was, it was awesome. And, and Philly is also like, it, it, it's, I mean, it's one in one A for me. Philly is unbelievable too, man. Like Philly is, Philly's real special for me and Bruiser too, because that's where we came together as the bouncers. You know, that's where the first show we worked as baby faces. That's where we, you know, so we main evented, you know, with the Bucks and Cody there. Uh, that was the first part of the, the, um, you know, the baby face turn. Then, then we, you know, the first time we ever did the walk from the bar was in Philly. So we've had a lot of really cool special moments in Philly and that crowd, they, they, they know their stuff. They're into wrestling yeah, they and they're there to have a good time. Like I love New York and I love Philly. They're my two favorite cities. Uh, you said something that, that triggered something in my brain. You, you said you were very nervous coming out in New York first time as baby faces. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you think it's, easier to be a heel and, and harder to be a baby face? I think it is. I think it's much harder to be yeah. a baby face. I yeah. think it's, I mean, everybody could probably think of something that makes that, that, uh, <laughs> Pisses someone you off. know, yeah. will make some, yeah, exactly. But to get people to actually embrace you, um, like you invest in you care about you, you know, that, that, that's tough. That's really hard to do. And I don't think people, I don't think people understand how, you know, how hard it is to get, to get somebody to really like you and, and buy into it, you know, the, the way they do. And, um, but when you, when you feel it and when you feel that genuine love and respect and admiration, it, it feels good, man. It feels really good, but it's hard. It's a lot of hard work to be a baby face in pro wrestling. If I was, if I was a wrestler, I would never want to be a baby face. I would find, <laughs> I'd find it too challenging. I, I never I, did. I never wanted to, but then, you know, that's funny. Again, it's, it, again, stuff happens. I mean, to me, stuff happens the way it's supposed to happen. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, it's, yep. I spent my whole career as this character, this very intense, like, heel character, and I finally get a break, you know, and when we finally start to make things happen for ourselves, it's as this, as this completely polar opposite character from what I played my entire career. Uh, we're in a crazy world. I mean, we started off the show falling right into the rabbit hole of how crazy this world is. We got <laughs> yeah. a lot of independent wrestling starting back up. Uh, Synergy's had some shows. JCW's had some shows. We mm -hmm. all know WWE, AW, they're doing the empty arena. You know, the boys are, are in the stands type of thing. Uh, Ring of Honor did not go that route. Um, do you wish they did? Would you have liked to wrestle in front of an empty crowd, I guess, empty arena? I mean, I think whenever we do return, that's going to be the reality. Yeah. Like we're not going to have, we're not going to have a crowd. I will say this, you know, and, and this is, and, and I always like to preface this by saying, I'm not criticizing those companies that decided to move forward. Right. I understand for a company like WWE or a company like AEW, there are, lucrative television contracts in place and an obligation to produce live yeah. Yeah, right. fresh content. Yeah. Like I totally get it. Um, having said that, I'm really happy that I worked for a company that um, didn't require me to be in airports, didn't require me to be in locker rooms and in arenas. Um, you know, I'm really appreciative of that fact. Um, and the way they've taken care of us, um, the way they've looked out for us, the way we've made sure on a number of levels, not the least of which is financial, um, made sure everybody was good and sound and secure. That's um, good. That's good though. You know, I think, I think there's a lot of people who like to, 
say a lot of negative things about Ring of Honor, but the truth of the matter is, is they're a company with integrity and they're a company that uh, cares about us that work for them. And I think they really looked out for us and showed us, showed me a lot, you know, um, during my time with Ring of Honor totally, but also during this pandemic. But, and again, like, I mean, the tougher thing for me is, you know, at least when you look at WWE and AEW and Impact is back, yeah. um, you know, when Ring of and when, and when Ring of Honor does come back, there will be testing, you know, there will be, you know, safety protocols in place. The one thing I will say that really scares me about independent wrestling is independent companies cannot afford to yeah. do a strict level of, of testing that every you time, know, national you know. company. Yeah. So, I mean, when I see some of these independent shows or when I see like death matches and stuff going on on them and I'm just like, I, I don't know, like I, it'll be a long, you know, and I love, I love my independent wrestling roots. I, I loved my time working for chaotic wrestling. I loved my time working for Beyond Wrestling, you know, Northeast Wrestling, Limitless Wrestling up in Maine. I love those companies. I love my time there. It'll probably be a very long time before you see me um, step foot, and may- maybe never again. Who knows what com- you know what happens in January? You know, I might not even be allowed to work, you know, independent shows. But um, you know, for me, the risk would not just not be worth it for to work an independent show right now just because they can't i mean and, and through no fault of their own they're small companies yeah they just can't afford the the safety protocols and testing measures that you know a large company could um you mentioned you mentioned january and we're, we're talking about getting back in when, when things pick back up for ring of honor is there a timetable like do you when when do you think you'll see yourself back in the ring yeah, I mean, I don't know exactly, but I think it'll be sooner rather than later. I think I think we're getting close. Um, you know, a lot of it was just really based on. Uh, I mean, the, the, I'm really happy. Um, you know, I guess we could have gone to Arizona or Florida. You right, know right, what right. I mean? Like, yeah. but I'm real happy that Ring of Honor didn't want to fly us into Orlando and find a building somewhere there. You know? <laughs> no, no. I, I don't want to go to Florida right now. I love Florida. I love Disney World. Florida is not on my top of my list of places I want to go right now. Um, so I think it's just a matter of, you know, once they figure out logistics and things like that. And uh, we, I mean, they already, you know, uh, I know they have a really sound testing strategy nice. uh, in place that they're going to implement. So um, I have the utmost confidence that it'll be, it'll be sooner rather than later. And that when we do it, it'll be as safe as it can possibly be. Now, right before everything shut down, basically, uh, the NWA was going to have the Crockett Cup. Um, now, I, I don't recall if all the teams were out for the Crockett Cup or not, but were the bouncers going to be in that tag tournament? I can't remember. The, the Crockett Cup? Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. I think I think we were. Yeah. We were never officially told because it all kind of um, – Yeah, yeah. It all, kind of, it all kind of came crashing down, like, um, in the midst of everything, but – I, I I think we were going to be, you know, yeah. if I, 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 I was not officially told that, but I have, I have pretty good confidence and in information that we were, that we were slated to be part of it. That would be, that would be my assumption too. Um, so I, what was I going to go with the cocktail cup? Oh, I don't know. Anyways, but let's get to the part of here. Let's have some fun now in here, but we'll, we'll, we'll get done with the wrestling. We, we talked to the wrestling. We, we delved into the Red Sox who are still losing in the COVID era. Um, but you've been locked up in the house. You've been quarantined. Um, how much beer have you consumed during this time? Way too much, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> me too. Way, 
between beer and wine, like, yeah, I mean. See, I'm not a wine no. guy. And my wife's, my wife don't drink wine either, so I'm lucky. But I, I can't get into the wine. <laughs> oh, wine is the best. You're missing oh, out. <laughs> I, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Yeah, you're, you're hitting on the head there, Vanessa. Like, there's something special about uh a you good know, wine. When you drank a bottle of wine. You know what I mean? Like, there's something pretty. There's something pretty special about about how you're feeling afterwards. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and the next day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, drink drink plenty of water and you'll be all right, right? That's yeah. what they tell me. I haven't had any uh-huh. tonight. These craft beers are going down. The dr- is their Druthers beer tonight. I wasn't able to. I wasn't actually able to get to the store to pick up my uh, Yingling tonight because uh, I actually left the softball game early because my youngest daughter. She just wanted to go home and go to sleep. She kept saying to daddy, daddy, I just want to go home and go to bed. And <laughs> that doesn't happen often. So I was like, let's go. Let's do it. So I can't really Not stop anymore. at the store with a three-year-old and go pick Yingling. But I did have some uh, craft beer from Brothers Brewing Company, which is not bad tonight. Uh, but, yeah, too much beer consumed during this. But that's okay. I mean, as long as I do it safely, I guess. and. I mean, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> Neither am I. You know? in, my, in my living room. <laughs> That's I'm right. uh, returning all our empties tomorrow. I'm scared to uh, actually know how much we've consumed since March. <laughs> oh man, I should I should have done that. I should have been turning them in um, <clears throat> to get something for them. Instead, I just throw them in the recycling. And every Monday, you That's... know, I can see the garbage man with, uh, just <laughs> looking up at my house with that look of, <laughs> and I just you know tip my hat. <laughs> You can say we, Vanessa, and my house, it's just me. I'm the only one that drinks beer. So no matter how many beer cans you see, they're all me. So it makes me feel horrible about myself. Same, same here, man. Same here. It's just terrible. I'm the only one that drinks in the house. Um, speaking of beer, isn't there a great story with you, uh, the bruiser, beer, Vegas, and a children's hospital? <laughs> So it's funny. My so my I had to set it up first. Because, so my yes. first time in Vegas, I was literally there for twelve hours. Oh, like God, I had to fly in. So this is pre-contract. I'm low man on the totem pole, you know. So I had a I, I flew in the same day and flew out red eye that night. We were the last match of the night, and I I got to the airport. I was I was on a plane within like an hour and a half after I wrestled. Um, on a red eye home. So the, the next time I went and when they were going to fly me in, um, it's, you know, it's funny. I had all sorts of travel issues. I was supposed to be in like by like four o'clock Vegas time. I didn't get in. I, we were, we were supposed to work. It was, oh, I forget what pay-per-view it was. Maybe the, maybe the anniversary pay-per-view La, um, last year, the year before. Yeah. And we, uh, me and Bruiser were supposed to be the dark match. And because of my flight issues, um, I didn't get in in times so they had to switch around the card so i got there like nine o'clock vegas time which is midnight you know my time eastern time uh, but i still wanted to go out so after the pay-per-view we go out uh, we went to the strip we went to fremont street you know we got some few beers but there nothing crazy yeah. so we get back and there's this bar at uh, samstown called the winchester bar so we see a group of the guys over there and we're like, oh, you know, they see us and they wave to us. We're like, oh, don't be rude. We'll go say hi. We'll go have a beer or two, you know. But then we'll go to bed because this is like, this is 1 a.m. Vegas time. And we have to meet everybody downstairs at like 9 a.m. 
because we're doing a children's hospital visit the next day, um, which is, this sounds way worse than it is. I swear I was not drunk when I went to the children's hospital. It was an amazing experience, but it's a fun story. <laughs> but uh, so we go over and, you know, as when you get together with this group at Ring of Honor, um, the bouncers aren't the only beer drinkers. All right. The bouncers oh, sure aren't the not. only ones that like to party. Um, so Silas Young I mean, seems like a- he could throw a few back. You would be, you would be correct. Um, so, I mean, this is like, it's us, it's the Briscoes, it's Silas, it's uh, Amy Rose who can hold her own. This Woo! is like Will Ferrara. Um, I, I think Marty's girl was there at the time. Like, uh, I'm trying to think of like all these people that were, I mean, Brian Johnson. Um, I, mean, there, I mean, there's a ton, like, I mean, tons of us at this bar and it's two o'clock, it's three o'clock, oh. <laughs> you know, it's four o'clock. And then finally, like, I think it's like five o'clock or something. And we decided like, okay, like we got to go to bed. We have to be up in like four hours. So I went upstairs. I took a nice, I took a nice like hot shower because I'm like, there's no way I'm going to want to shower. Like get yeah, up at, in the morning after two and a half hours of sleep or whatever in showers. So I took a nice shower, laid down for what felt like 30 minutes, you know, woke up <laughs> and, and you do what you, do, you have to do. You know, you rally, you drink some coffee, yeah. get some water in you. And, and we really, you know, then we did, you know, I started to give it nine. We did go to um, children's hospital. Absolutely amazing experience. I yeah. always think that's such a, um, an amazing privilege that we get to have um, is to go meet these people in you know, these children and their families. And um I mean, you know, here I, you know, it's funny. You got these, these kids and these families that are just so strong um, mentally. And I'm having to excuse myself from the room on a number of occasions because, you know, I can't, I can't let these families who are going through so much see, you know, let them see me getting upset. Yeah. But um, so then, you know, then we had that amazing experience. We went to the Las Vegas fight shop, um, which is another great place. If anybody's out in Vegas wants to, you know, MMA or merchant, you know, merchandise or WWE merchandise or Ring of Honor, Las Vegas Fight Shop, amazing. Uh, but then we had to we get back and we look on the sheet and they added a second match for us. Oh that my night. goodness! So now we're on like two and a half, three hours sleep. We got to work twice. Um, so you know, we do the tapings, we work twice. All I wanted at that point to like after two matches, like I just wanted a damn steak and a beer, like. Oh. Just give me a big, big old piece of meat and a nice ice cold beer. So I found a couple people to have a drink. Bruiser just went to bed. He was done. He was cooked. Um, so now this is, you know, we're talking, it's getting close to midnight. Now I got to be up at like, I got to be out the door at like 4.30 for my flight. I have a, I have a really early flight. And um, so I just said, you know what, the hell with it. I'm just going to pull an all-nighter. Yeah, there like, you go. If I go to bed now... <laughs> I'm not getting up for this flight. I'm going to miss my flight. So I drank all night again, hung out with the boys, <laughs> went up and took a shower at 3.30. I was out, out of the hotel by 4.30 at the air. You know, I'm waiting for my Uber. The last thing I did was, you know, chug half a beer. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Went to, my, went to my Uber, went, you know, went and sat at my gate, you know, and uh, got on a plane. I was, you know, the Las Vegas uh, TSA staff and whatnot. It's very kind and very, very good they didn't uh not let me on the plane so that was nice that's good <laughs> and uh you know i found my way home but uh <laughs> that's that's something that's always the last thing i do before i get on a plane is finish my beer because uh <laughs> i've been on a- man it was a two and a half hour sleep and 
you know, three days or whatever I was there and I slept. So I had a connector in um, Chicago. I put my, I put my head like kind of against the, uh, the side. And the next thing I know we were landing, like it was like that. So <laughs> That's the way to do it. Tave, Matt Tave. Well, yeah, I was with Taven and, um, and TK Orion. We had the same flights. So we're in Chicago. We went and got some pizza because you need that grease mm. after you've been drinking. Yes, you do. And then I get on my flight from, to Chicago to Boston, and same thing. Like I closed my eyes, and the next thing I knew, I was home. So, <laughs> and uh, we learned that I was going to ask the question, "Who can drink more beer?" You were the bruiser, but you you answered that it's it's you because the bruiser went to bed. <laughs> you know, I will I will say funny for you know his name is the Beer City Bruiser, but yeah, yeah I think I think I can. I think I can put away more than Bruiser, but I think that, you know, I got a lot of, I got a lot more girth than Bruiser. So. <laughs> a, little, a little more mileage. Um, we do have a question in the, the chat. Somebody asked, and it goes back to the, the Cena spot. Um, does the F you hurt? I mean, in the kayfabe sense, yes, it's the most devastating maneuver I've ever <laughs> taken go. in my life, but <laughs> no, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, what the, the hell do you call it? Yeah. It's devastating. I don't, I don't know what I don't know what other people have called it, but it's it's easy. Yeah. Oh, the it's attitude not... adjustment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's uh, you know, you're trained. That's what you're you're supposed to do. And if you take it the right way, nothing hurts. <laughs> um. Yeah. So, all right. Now, um, I want to finish up with some fun stuff because I learned some really interesting things that I think we could do an entire another show about. But I'll, I'll touch on them a little bit here tonight and and then I'll, and then I'll let you let you go um you're a conspiracy theorist for, a little bit for yeah. lack of of um <laughs> you know a better term is is paul mccartney really paul mccartney or is he actually billy shears i tell you that one i tell you, of all the of all the conspiracy theories that's the one i'm not saying i think he I, i'm not saying i think he is billy shears but I'm saying it's completely plausible. Like yeah. of all of all the conspiracy theories I've looked into and read up on, to me that's the one that, like, from a number of different like aspects, but like the evidence that mounts up against it to just like why they might actually do it, it makes all the sense in the world to me. Like, so um, I don't know that I fully, you know, I'm as close to believing that conspiracy theory as I am any of them. And, and if you think about it, if you if you really think about it, take all the evidence in, and now you only have Ringo and Paul left, you know, you might you can keep it going. Like they've made it this far. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I mean, how amazing! Think of like what would happen. I mean, how amazing would it be if one day he just came out and said, "Yeah, everybody was right all along." <laughs> you know, I'm could, not really Paul McCartney. Could you imagine? My, <laughs> it would be amazing. It would be amazing. Um, Bigfoot. What's your thoughts on Bigfoot? Um, I, I don't know. Big, Bigfoot's a tough one for me because he figured we would have found a corpse or something at, at some point, like a body. Well, don't you think Bigfoot um, is like a like a classification? Like, don't you think there's many big big foot people? I mean, if you're talking about like the animal or whatever, like I just feel like I feel like we would have found bodies of these things yeah. somewhere if, if they if True. they existed. Now, having said that, I will say, 
you know, there's a lot of what I call human arrogance. We think we know everything. We think, you know, the time that we're living is the most important time in the history of the universe. That's right. That. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, but, and I also think, you know, again, we think we know everything about everything and we know probably this much about, about anything. And there are absolutely creatures that, uh, that roam this earth that would probably blow our mind that we've never seen before. Yeah. The ocean scares me. Whatever this new, like blue hole or whatever they're. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. Like why? Just leave it alone. Just don't go near it. Stay yeah. away. They're going to set off like some super volcano or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And wipe out human existence and the earth will still go on. Earth is, yeah. it's not the end of the, the world. It's the end of <laughs> us. And well, that, yeah, that's what when people talk about like, oh my God, it'd be the end of the world. It's like, well, it wasn't the end of the world when the asteroid hit and the yeah. dinosaurs were here. The world still went on. <laughs> like, so just because human human beings might cease to exist at some point um, doesn't mean the world is over. <laughs> exactly. Uh, my last conspiracy thing, I guess, if you want to call it that. Uh, dogmen, do 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 dogmen exist? Because I have this conversation all the time with one of my best friends. They're convinced that there are dogmen in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I don't know if I'm super familiar with this one, but I think there's all sorts of like are these along the lines of like the lizard people. Yeah, the lizard people one is yep. real fascinating to me. Yeah, um, like the subspecies of lizard people who like I don't know. Those ones to me are just more fun to read because there's people that get so into, into it, it and they find these little microscopic like details of of videos, which are or just the camera or your eye playing tricks on you. Yeah, and they they take it as like evidence of like, Oh, look, they blink their second eye or whatever. Or, yeah. Um, you know, I, I mean, believe me, I think there's a lot of weird, you know, weird stuff that happens in this world. I think there are, um, I think there are, I mean, you want a conspiracy theory that happens in front of our face every day. Look at, look at American <laughs> politics. The fact that <laughs> that's what we were talking you know, about earlier. Repo yeah. Republicans and Democrats, they all, they play for the same team, by the way. Don't, don't make no mistake about it. And, and it ain't our team. <laughs> No. Amen. Amen. No, it's not. Yeah, well you're you're you could say amen because you're up there in Canada, Vanessa. Hey, hey man, it ain't no better up here. Uh my favorite conspiracies are obviously the Paul McCartney one, which we could go on and on about. And uh if you think Lee Harvey Oswald shot JFK all on his little own, yeah, then you you got I mean, another is that even a conspiracy theory anymore? Is that just like accepted fact that somebody else? Like, it's it's got to be accepted. I mean, Sein, Seinfeld literally showed you that it's not impossible for Oswald to have killed JFK on his own. That bullet would have had to have been contr controlled by someone with a little controller. It, <laughs> Oh my god! No, I, mean, I, think, I think it's pretty accepted now that it was what a, you know, like the second gunman on the grassy knoll theory is probably. But the, like, can't <laughs> can't we get that information? Do we want that information? Do we want it coming out that we killed our own? Oh my god! I mean, hey, you know what? I don't know. There's lots of stuff I don't I don't want to know that the government does. You know, what I mean, it's uh, it's just like I mean, you, you, you want another you want another you want a rabbit hole to go down, man. Yes. Um, and this give me, one, give me something to go down up, tonight when I, when I'm, yeah, it came YouTube. up in a, 
where the hell were we driving I from? I don't even remember where we were driving from. It was somewhere like in the Midwest, like Michigan or something. And it was it was myself, it was Delirious, it was Bruiser, it was uh, Angelina Love, it was uh, Mandy Leone. I want to say we had one more in the car, maybe Ginny Rose or somebody. And um, and I I'd never heard about like the Denver airport before. Have you ever heard like the all the weird theories on the Denver airport? They said it's like a port. It's a portal to something. Yeah, and there's supposedly some like there's lots of construction permits, and supposedly there's like a whole like underground like city or something underneath it. And you want a rabbit hole to go down? You'll that that's one that hours that, that'll take up hours of your life just reading all the crazy <laughs> stuff about the Denver airport well i'm stuck inside the house so i might as well do something <laughs> um vanessa you have any uh final questions before we hand him the mic to put himself over um no i'm i'm good i'm i'm all in on conspiracies i pretty much believe most of them so <laughs> right. yeah we'll do a whole show for me it's like you know with the conspiracy they're just they're fun to read they are fun and then some of them you can actually start to convince yourself of but yeah i think they're i think they're just i think they're just fun i think they're fun to read and um people get really wrapped up in them and people you know people believe them i mean there are definitely nefarious things that happen in this world there's definitely we talked about some of it in the beginning with the media and yep. things like that you know but on on the whole I, I think, you know, when you look at the surface and you think about what the reasons might, I think the, the funny thing is, so when I think about things like the news media and it being entertainment, and that's why they sensationalize everything, um, uh, you know, people really resist that. And, and I don't know if it's because they think it's too simplistic, but it's just like, no, that, that's facts. <laughs> like, or, um, you know, when you think about some of the things the American government does and American politicians do, and, you, and when you say, like, they're all on the same side. No, no, they're not. No, they are, though. They are. Like, just look at the facts that are in front of you. Um, those are the conspiracy theories I think are in front of our face that yeah. there's really simplistic answers for that people just, you know, Refuse get sucked say. into and, and don't pay attention to. But then they'll those same people will argue about Bigfoot or crazy ones like that. So <laughs> figure um, that out. Well, Brian, it's been a phenomenal show. Um, I thank your wife, uh, you know, for allowing this time, allowing us to have you for this time. Uh, the Red Sox are still trailing eight to two in the top of the ninth. I want to rip my TV off the wall and throw it, <laughs> but that's okay. Um, but what I do at the end of every show is I, I'm going to give you the mic. You can put over whatever you want. You can let us know where you're going to be. You can bury anyone. You can. Talk trash. I don't really care what you say, Brian, because I will not interrupt. The floor is yours. All right. Well, I just want to start off by saying, you know, uh, the Beer City Bruiser loves him some hard seltzer. So, uh, you know, anybody watching this right now, please do me a favor and just go tweet at the Bruiser, uh, you know, on Twitter, uh, Beer City Bruiser, BCB Winchester, I believe he is on Twitter. Uh, and tell him what your favorite seltzer is and ask him if he's tried that one. Um, everybody watching this right now, if you have Twitter, if you could go do that for me right now, I would just be so forever grateful if you could just go tell the bruiser your favorite flavor of seltzer and ask him ask him if he's tried it. Like that would just, you know, that would that would warm my heart. Uh, you can also find me <laughs> at Brian Malonis on Twitter. Um, go buy some some awesome bouncers and Brian Malonis t-shirts at brianmalonis.com. 
Uh, you can find me on Instagram, uh, Brian Malonis KP. You can find me on Facebook, but I think I'm at the max for friends on that. And Facebook kind of stinks anyway. <laughs> so um, you're better off following me on Twitter and Instagram. So um, other than that, just, you know, keep your eyes peeled, you know, keep watching Ring of Honor, um, keep supporting wrestling. You know, I think, um, you know, there's all these fake kind of competitions that are going on. I mean, when you look at the state of the pro wrestling industry, WWE is the industry leader. You know, you can look at ratings or things like that, but nobody's catching them. <laughs> like right. they're, they're, they're a conglomerate. Um, just support wrestling as a whole, whether it's WWE, AEW, Impact, the company that I love and work for, Ring of Honor, the independents. Uh, the more good places there are to work, the more quality pro wrestling there is, the better, better it is for the fans, the guys in the business. Um, so just keep loving pro wrestling. Keep being a supporter of pro wrestling. Um, I think now more than ever, we need the fans, you know, because we need this to come back and come back strong. Uh, and then the last thing I'll leave with is just be safe out there, people. Um, don't, don't, let, um, don't let people turn a virus and people getting sick and dying into something stupid and political. Yeah. It's not political. It's a disease. It's a, it's a virus. You know, so even if there's a 1% chance that a mask might protect you and protect other people, just take it because what, what, you know, what could hurt? And if they're right and it does work, maybe we'll be back to everything we love real soon. And that's what we all want. We want to get back to the things we love. So just stay safe out there, everybody. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Brian. Those were some phenomenal words there at the end too, with the mask. And we discussed that earlier. Uh, it was awesome. I had fun. We could definitely do it again sometime. You're going to have to help us get Johnny Fabulous on here uh, because yeah, that would be amazing. Brian, have yourself a wonderful night, and hopefully the Red Sox will win, uh, I guess, the next game. Not not tonight. And hopefully we'll get some football. Tonight. No, <laughs> Thank it's you not, very not much. Tonight. Have yourself a wonderful night, man. Take care. Later. Take care. That was awesome. Vanessa. Good job. That was awesome. Look, I, I opened the Zoom, and I was expecting to see your name pop on first. And I see, I see Brian Malonis, and I'm like, oh, crap. I'm, I'm not good at this. I'm not good at, like, like I don't do pre-interviews. I don't, I don't do this. I'm not going to say, hey, this is what we're – I saw him, and I said, let's go. Uh, this guy is called the Standing Streamer. Yeah!